Hey, folks, and welcome to our third, I think, MLB Pro GM Happy Hour of the Year. Welcoming my guest, anonymous GM, Scott Gesford of the – am I saying your last name right? Yep, that's correct. Of the Oakland Athletics. And Eddie, holy shit, Buckles, almost forgot your last name, of the Colorado Rockies. We have you a got my middle name right. Yeah, Eddie, oh shit, Buckles. Uh, and we've got a couple other folks jumping on right now, and one has just jumped in. Kimberly Schlegel, God, I hope I pronounced that right, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, did I pronounce your last name right? Schlegel? Kimberly Schlegel, yes. Schlegel, so nice, close. Of the Arizona Diamondbacks joining us as well. You, we just missed the start of it. We jumped right in. We kind of yeah. set some, some topics. So it's okay. I told everybody you were coming, and we got Rob Chapman of the Kansas City Royals also going to join us in a little bit as well. So welcome to everybody. Appreciate y'all making some time to talk MLB Pro today. Obviously, we laid out some topics uh, ahead of time that we wanted to run through and some different things about the league. It gets free for them. You've been here. You've listened to it. But I wanted to start specifically with just kind of a, a feeling from everybody about the standings in the league, particularly in the divisions you're part of, I suppose we can start here, right? We have two NL West GMs in the room uh, and then an American League West, an anonymous person in NL East. So let's start in the National League West. Kim, let's start with you since you are a rookie to this um, this format. The Diamondbacks are hot. What do you think about the start? What do you think about the division? How do you feel about the team? Um, I feel a lot better than I did a month ago when we were, you know, somewhere down at the bottom of the heap. Um, we were inconsistent, and now we're playing consistently. So it's it's been exciting, fortunately. Yeah, Bryce Harper specifically. To me, if you're listening to last night, this morning is I'm just fascinated by that man's success out in the West. Like, is this what you were expecting? The 330 hitter just blasting home runs and carrying the team every night, or is this more than you were hoping for? Um, it's what I was hoping for, but he's really just sort of doing what what I expected. But along with Leg Guerrero and Jeremy Scott and you know um, Gallo has been hot. So it uh, fitting in with the rest of them is kind of what I expected, but it covers up for a couple of others who are, are still flat, like uh, Juan Marine and um, uh, Daz Cameron. So uh, it is it has certainly helped that he's been hot. Yeah, I keep forgetting how good that team is when you mention those other people that aren't even playing yet and the team is as hot as it is. I mean, you've got Eddie's team and, and the Rockies who are also just – Again, started a little flat, at least flat for a team that was maybe the favorite coming out of the National League, especially when the Mets sputtered right out of the way. I mean, are y'all expecting it to be this tight the entire way down the stretch? Do you think it's going to be neck and neck until game 168 or however many games we play? Uh, probably, yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, that's kind of what I expected after spring training, that it would be the two of us fighting for the the top spot and the other getting a wild card spot. And, you know, if all went well, you know, um, not everything always goes well, but uh, you know, so, so far that's, that's gone as expected. Some other things in the division haven't gone as I, I thought they would. Like what? I had some thoughts on that. Yeah. But like what? Um, San Diego uh, surprises me. They got off to a good start. Um, I, I don't think I looked today, but they're um, they're like in last place, but they have a positive run differential, which doesn't make any sense. So they've been unlucky, uh, giving up runs at the wrong time, that kind of that kind of thing. 
um, with their pitching, I expect them to, to be better. Yeah. Um, the Dodgers also, I think, are, are playing a bit under what I might have expected, but it's, it's still early also. So nobody gives a shit about the Giants. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love it. I don't know what to expect out of them. <laughs> no, that, that's perfect. I, I love that the, the Padres are the anti-Baltimore Orioles and that they are in a positive run differential at the bottom of the league and the Orioles are in a negative run differential at, you know, towards the top at this point, the Blue Jays seem to be separating. Uh, Eddie, your thoughts on the National League West, man. Or, or By all means, everybody jump in when you want to. I don't want to dominate this conversation, but I want to hear about the, the other seeds here. Yeah, I um I I I agree that like I thought the Dodgers would be better. And I think they still will. Um that team is is loaded. Um and I thought the Padres would be better. I, I look, starting out the season looking at the division, which is one of those is like, damn. It's it's going to be a shame at the end of the year at that um a really good team's not going to make the playoffs or has to play the wild card game. Um it, it, there's going to be a, a good team left out here for sure. Um so Definitely thought the Dodgers would be better. The Padres would be better. Um, the 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 Diamondbacks. I knew, like what I, you know, I didn't have any false hope that like I had a, a big lead out there. I knew that the Diamondbacks would be good, and I just I'm hoping that like last year I had the same hopes, and then you know I just it was clear like with a month left in the season, it's like all right, well I'm playing for a wild card, so hopefully I can stay in the race to- towards the end. Um, but I mean it's just there is some freaking talent in this division, man, um, yeah. which I, I like, but I also hate because <laughs> I hate having to face Vlad Guerrero and Soto and all these names like for, and they're all so freaking young. Like they're not yeah. going anywhere. So it's not, it's going to make for a fun West for many years. Yeah. Scott and Anon from the outside looking in national league West, what surprises you? What doesn't. I think it starts in LA is Eddie or is both. Uh, Kim and Eddie just mentioned that the Dodgers uh, lack of su- success early, particularly at the top of their rotation. Jared Cozart and Parker Markle both struggling. Cozart's ERAs just under five. Markles is above five. Two consistently good pitchers the last couple of the years who cannot get anyone out right now. Um, that needs to change for the Dodgers to get better. And, and there's a long track record of success that makes you think it will turn around. And if it does, a team that can get right back into this. But again, third, both now north of 30 years old, there is that mileage on their arms. Uh, Lucille Crossado has been great. But again, J.D. Martinez, Juan Soto can carry that offense. The Dodgers can get back in this. But the Diamondbacks and the Rockies are clearly the two, two best teams in that division. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, sorry, Scott. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say, I agree. Totally agree with the Rockies and Diamondbacks and, you know, uh, I think Eggie made a move and got some players, and then Kimberly made a move and got players right, you know, Harper. And so it's nice to have GMs that aren't afraid to make the bold move. That felt like a pointed jab, but I will leave that on the side. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> hey, I, that's what you want to take it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I look at the National League West from the outside looking in, and I think you see a lot of things that. GMs across this league want to emulate, you know, particularly looking at the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, which is great that you guys are both here. You see two teams that were not competitive before the two of you took over, really. Or maybe even they were. I don't Kimberly, I don't remember when you came into the league, but like you've you've come into this place where the turn happened so fast, it seems like from the outside. I'm sure being those GMs, it was harder than it looks. But for the people like me or the people like John Hodges or Scott 
or or really anybody here that's trying to turn around a, a team, what 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 did you do? How did you put winners on the field from teams that were not winning ball clubs? Well, uh, for me, um, I inherited a team that that in 2014 I took over midseason and we made uh, the wild card. Uh, through uh, through like no fault of my own. Yeah, the West um, was a disaster out there at that point. It, uh, um, um, but we had big financial problems. There was an $18 million hit from some waiver wire problem that I inherited. So I immediately was in the hole and I made bad financial decisions on a contract extension or two. Um, I, I tried to stick it out, you know, because we made the playoffs. I thought, hey, you know, it, it could happen again. It did not. We lost 90 games the next year. And um, I thought, oh, it's going to turn around. We have Mark Baker, right? You've heard of Mark Baker, uh, MVP candidate. Uh, but that was kind of all we had. And so he got injured. We went to losing a hundred and whatever and getting the top pick. And um, I decided to sell off. And um, that was kind of the easy part, you know, because it's like you do a, a handful of deals and you've got these prospects hanging out in single A or wherever they were in the draft picks. And then you just gotta wait. It took a long time, four years before last year, you know, it was, but then I, in that meantime, I, I auditioned players right and left, you know, waiver wire guys, rule five guys, all of these, you know, maybe it will work. Um, what's his face? Um, 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 Velasquez, who's been with like 20 yeah. teams, right? Yeah. I tried him out and he hated our uh, locker room or rather they hated him. Everybody hates that guy. And uh, <laughs> You know, so that didn't work. I thought, hey, you know, so I was trying all of these things. I dragged these guys out of uh, free agent, you know, backlog um, just to fill space to see if any of them could do, you know, you know, would still be around for playoff time. A couple of them were, but really it, you know, I just had to wait for the rookies to get ready. Yeah. You traded... Mark Baker for Juan Marine, didn't you? Wasn't that the trade when he was 17 years old? Yeah, he was an international signee. Him yeah. and uh, Daz Cameron. That's right. He, he was the best international signing I've ever seen at the time. He was spectacular. I remember Justin Kaiser picking him up and then immediately dangling him to people. And a lot of people just had did cold feet about acquiring a 17-year-old with sky-high potential, right? We've seen it all happen so many times. And it's great to see that he was worked out and been successful. I want to welcome Rob Chapman in, the GM of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Rob, I told everybody you were going to come in late. Appreciate you jumping on with us. The format, obviously, you've seen these before you've listened to them. We are just round robbing Right now, we were talking specifically about standings of the division you're in. How do you feel about it, where you're going? I'd love to get your thoughts on the National League West, which is what we're talking about, being that Kimberly is the GM of the Diamondbacks, Eddie the GM of the Rockies. How do you feel? I mean, have you paid any attention to the West do you have anything to add there, or are you one of those guys that you watch the Royals and that's it? Well, I I don't just watch the Royals, but I, I haven't paid much attention to the West, although I know the odds of Colorado making a few trades between now and the end of the 
sure. deadline are pretty good and actually probably yes. good that they'll make some between now and uh, I don't know, Eddie when tomorrow uh, <laughs> time i go to bed yeah. no i i think uh yeah I, just my limited knowledge of it is it's you know colorado and arizona and they seem to be doing what they expected to be doing this year so far um it looks like they're actually tied and neither one has lost much lately at all no so i would hate to be running one of the southern california teams in that division or the giants um it could got your work cut out for you. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're, that's kind of the consensus of the group, right? There's some surprise around the Dodgers. I just got some surprise around the Padres as well. Before we move out of the West, anonymous Scott, anybody else here, any final thoughts, we move on to a different division. I'll throw this out there uh, now instead of later. I know you wanted to talk about this, but to clear some names up um, one player, I think is going to be very, sought after between now and the trade deadline. And that player comes from San Diego and the Otero, the reliever who has been removed from the closer role, I think is going to be traded at some point between now and the deadline. And there's going to be a player that numerous, numerous teams are after. So I think there's something to watch other than Arizona and Colorado. Yeah. What's interesting about the Padres is they have a lot of pieces, not a lot, but pieces like Otero that they can deal. But the sense I get from Sean the GM they're speaking to him is that they are not ready to sell. Like, they don't believe that they are so far behind the top two or three teams in that division that they need to, to retool. The Dodgers, the Padres have shown flashes two or three times in the last decade. They've never been able to put it together, but Sean seems to believe that the core he's got, particularly his pitching staff is good enough to compete with the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. I'm not sure I agree with that, but I know that Sean believes in his team and I would expect him to maybe do Otero for close to the major league pieces that, that he can see competing for him in 2022 if they can't dig out of this hole they're in. I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I um, I think there's probably some patience needed all around the league. Like, if you watch the series, like, we just played them and beat them a couple times, they outplayed us the entire series, and we got lucky. Like, some late ninth-inning hits, they, but they 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 really beat the crap out of us. They got 17 hits in the game against us. Like they, I remember that. I was lucky to pull out some wins in that, in that series. They're way, I think they're way better than their record says. Yeah. I love the confidence, right? I love that he's sticking behind his team. Uh, selfishly, I tried to pick Michael Matuel off a couple of times. And every time I've been rebutted very, very harshly. So uh, I admire Sean. I believe Sean is our youngest GM as well. So I admire his, his steadfastness belief in his team. Let's uh, move. Let's move to the West, right? There's not a lot to talk about the West being that it is what it is, right? The angels and the, the, uh, the Mariners, but I'd love to hear from Scott, like, Hey, what's life like about 162 games into <laughs> your move from the national league central, which is now by the way, a powerhouse in the national league. So it's not like you escaped anything, but what's life like in the American league West. How do you see the A's rising from fourth to third or second or first? I don't see that happening this year. <laughs> well, yeah, nobody <laughs> does, but in the future, I was hoping, I was hoping at the end of April to be around 500, uh, you know, my, my May has gone pretty good, 10 and seven, just one, two straight against Houston. So, I mean, I have some pieces, but they're just not gelling yet. And so hopefully as time goes on, they'll, they'll gel more, but I, you know, I knew when I moved over to the AL West that trying to compete against Seattle and, and the angels were going to be, ah, and yeah, I try to put on a good, a good face by saying I expect to make the playoffs. I didn't really expect to make the playoffs in reality, but 
you know, it made some, for some good talk. Yeah. So, um, I'm hoping to, to build on the young guys that I've just brought up and maybe uh, get a few more young people to stash away and bring up over the next couple of years and be able to compete. I find the, the AOS more interesting to talk about next year specifically than this year, but <laughs> I want to turn it over to folks in this room. Does anybody have thoughts on the AOS in 2021? Questions, concerns, thoughts, you know, anything before I start peppering Scott with 2022 questions. I mean, it, it comes down to like, do you think you can beat the Astros and have a better record than the Astros in the regular season? Right. Is it because if you do, I, that's the only question. Like, I think the, the A's could be just as good as any other wild card potential, but I think the Astros are really good. So I think that like going up against them in a series and beating them, if you were to sweep, sweep the Astros, like that's the competition. It's not a angels or manners conversation. It's can you be as good as the Astros? And it, it's like that team. I, I like, I like the A's, but it's, I think you're right, Brent. Like it's probably, probably more a 2022 thing, but um, uh, the Ast Astros are going to be really good in 2022. So, so are the angels and so are the Mariners. <laughs> yeah. Texas we'll we'll leave it at either. this. 20 in 2021, the Houston Astros are 24 and 19, despite the fact that they ranked 12th in the American League in runs scored, despite the fact that Edgardo Arredondo is hitting under 200, Darge Kawhi is hitting under 200, Jose Abreu is hitting 232. Uh, nothing's going off uh, right offensively, but they've sure figured things out on the mound. The second best ERA in the American League, the starters have the third best ERA in the American League. They've allowed the fewest homers in the American League. If they're going to get pitching like this all year, all year long, I think most of us probably expect the bats to turn around at some point. Uh, it's a really dangerous team. And, and what is also going to be interesting, I think, in the American League, with the Blue Jays' slow-ish start, and, and Mitch and the Jays have turned it around recently, um, but with the way the Angels and the Mariners are playing, we're looking at another divisional series matchup, potentially, between the Mariners and the Angels, or at least two American League West squads, which also just throws the whole American League playoffs into a great mystery in my eyes. Yeah. Do you guys think that maybe the Angels have been a little pedestrian this month, though? I feel like they're just barely above 500 in May. They got swept by the Dodgers, who we were talking about earlier. And I think looking at the schedule, if I'm Oakland – I mean, I got seven shots at him this month. Um, so maybe it's an opportunity for Oakland to, you know, not just be thinking about catching Houston, but trying to make a run at the Angels. I, I mean, I look at of course the they Angels could just start winning, but. <laughs> I, I look at the Angels kind of like the, the Lakers in the playoffs, right? All you got to do is get there. And then, yeah. you know, with their team, they're built for the playoffs. By the way, that's Matt's, that's Matt's philosophy, too, in case you haven't noticed. And he just dominates there. Um, quickly, before I move to 2022 and tell you why I think it's so interesting, we mentioned Darj Kawawe. I have gone down the deepest rabbit hole. And that's why I love baseball. You can go down these wild rabbit holes of statistics and analysis and just getting really deep on wild players. You know, Darj Kawawe is leading the league in, in, at the wrong end of the spectrum in WRA, which means weighted WRAA, which is weighted runs above average, right? Again, I don't truly understand baseball statistics as well as somebody like Matt Wells or John Hines, some of our, our statistical like geniuses in the league. 
but he is at negative 12.57 WRAA, meaning if I understand this correctly, he is producing 13 less runs than the average player in the league for a guy that has been an all-star center fielder in the past. Like, what the fuck is going on with Darsh Kowale? I don't know. But that was a great pickup or not because he has has struggled hard, and that's a symptom of why Houston – Honestly, they can't get past these top two, but like they always have somebody that's struggling like this. They can't put the entire team together for whatever reason. Why I think the AOS is more interesting in 2022. I think I'm the only person in the world that thinks the Angels are fading. They're not fading fast, but they're fading. You have guys coming off of contracts this past year that has made the team worse. You have guys coming off the contracts this year that are going to make, make the team worse. And you have the looming free agency that will turn this league on its head. I promise you somebody will eat somebody else of Armando Cabanas. What is this league going to look like next year if Armando Cabanas walks from Seattle, Soze, for whatever reason, can't retool, and the Angels lose a couple pieces without being able to replace anybody outside of Bradley Swagger, who looks spectacular and ready, by the way, in the minors. What does this league look like? Do the the Astros jump these guys if they can maintain? Because they're not losing anybody. In fact, if anything, they're going to get better. I'm excited for 2022 in the American League West because I think, personally, the Angels are fading. I've been saying that for five years. I've been wrong every time. But this year, I really believe it. I don't think you meant well, Bradley Swagger. I'm trying to figure out who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Hennessy Brian in Hennessy, Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, Bradley <laughs> was, Swagger was, right. what, the first-round pick of the Royals, I believe. Yeah. 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 It was yeah. some kind of crazy name. That's- Sorry. <laughs> Snaked them right before I took them. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's, here's, a, here's a fun what-if, though, for you, Brent. The Angels, what, Albert Pujols' contract expires? Yep. Caleb Coward, I believe. Don't you dare say a monitor for my Don't don't Oyashi, that's some $60 million, no. I believe. No. Um, if Armando Cabanas hits free agency, he's headed to Los Angeles. Please, God. No, I, <laughs> that can't happen. I, I just don't see how he doesn't at this point in time. Mike Trout, Nomar Mazar, Armando Cabanas in the outfield – will doom this league to another decade of Angels championships. The, as a group, people, I'm talking collusion right now. We have to collude against the Angels, <laughs> and this has to not happen. But the Angels has got, what was it, three first-round draft picks this year? Also that, sure. Yeah, let's just throw that you in. Know, that doesn't help the rest of us. Well, that's but a, the draft, the draft it's a shitty terrible. pool, though. Well, so. <laughs> yeah, it is a crappy pool, yeah. But they're going to have to give an awfully big contract to Cabanas or, or whoever. Like, you know, the 10 year kind of thing. Like they're they're trying to get out from under from uh Pujols, right? Yeah. So they've got a lot of money, but it's gonna cost a lot of money to land whoever the other big names are. We've also seen them not being willing to pay players that they did have. Uh Aurelis Chapman left, Ryan Copeland left. Uh I feel like there've been another player or two that have left LA. Catcher. Is there going to end trades in the in the past? A team that's been cheap when it comes to, to giving up prospects, are they really going to be willing to pay top dollar for a free agent? It'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, the anonymous GM just called Matt cheap. Yeah, <laughs> on the record. On the record. <laughs> and the reality is, so they could also resign him. I don't know what his financial situation looks like. I would have loved to have seen Rhett take over the Yankees and opposed to taking on a bunch of bullshit contracts to try to win this year. Like, look towards 2022 with the possibility of Cabanas coming out. There's no way he could have gotten via trade, but like he hits the market, sign Cabanas, and then use that budget to go fill up the rest of that roster. Cause Cabanas in New York would be disastrous for the American League East. That dude could just bomb. 
Let's move on. going to hit 350 home runs. Yeah, maybe in one year. Uh, Can I pose pose this question for everyone? Um, I know we've talked about four teams, but there's one team we haven't mentioned. And to me, it's one of the bigger disappointments so far this year. Yeah. The Texas Rangers. What's what's the dilemma there? Um, What hasn't worked and how can they fix it? They can't pitch. Their their bullpen has been great, but the rotation has been a disaster. If I'm remembering correctly, they can't that's correct. correct. <laughs> I think they're uh, they're next to last like in the, the league in uh, batting average, so they're not really hitting either. Which is you can't they do well. when you can't pitch or hit. It's usually not a good formula yeah. for success. Good, good bullpen doesn't help you if you're down five <laughs> runs and fourth. Yeah. Will this lead to someone like Juan Hidalgo being a, a big piece on the trade market between now and July 31st? Why not Ariel de Pogrera? He's the, he's the guy that I would think would command. I mean, Hidalgo will too, but yeah, if you're, if you're Texas, do you completely retool? That's a good question. Hidalgo's a free agent to be. They, they brought, they, it cost them two arms to Philadelphia last year, including a Kevin Flemmer, who's been really good in the Phillies bullpen. Uh, maybe you flip Hidalgo, try to pick back up a, a young arm. Just uh, throwing it out there. No, I, I think it's Kevin, and, and I laid this out at the beginning of the season. The reason this is such a disappointing season for Texas, I think I, you all probably don't remember, but there was a random trivia question I threw out was, what GM has done nothing but improve their record year over year? And it was Kevin. Nobody would have guessed. It blew my mind. Kevin in, in, I forget his last name, but in Texas has done nothing but make this team better every year. And they didn't lose much to my, my, my knowledge year over year from 2019 or 2020 to 2021. But his team has gone from what, 70 wins, he went, well, 94 games last year. Everybody forgets that because nobody gives 94 games and do shit in the AOS. West. 94 games wins a lot of other divisions. He's done nothing but improve that team. Is it time to completely retool? I would love to see what he did with a rebuild. I- I think one thing I'm just looking at now, if I'm adding this up correctly, it looks like he's got 17 guys that are 29 or older. 26 man roster. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of guys that are 28 too. Like it's, it, I mean, he's in the, he's in that, you know, <laughs> you can't run it back too many more years with that aging roster. It's a good team though. Um, they're just, he's not, you know, they're not young. <laughs> Several guys. And for what it's worth, the 30th range farm system. Yeah. Everybody, do you have something to say about this? Um, just uh, there were several guys I just saw on the salary list that last year their contract in Texas. Yeah. So, yeah. Know. I think Texas will be a, a feeding system for the people trying to win divisions or, or listen, let's transition very seamlessly over to the American League Central because a team like the, the Kansas City Royals that are playing well above where mm-hmm. we thought they'd be at this point. If they're in the hunt at some point, do they start buying from the Rangers? Rob, talk us through where the Royals are. Where did you think you'd be? And, and what's this division look like to you? Well, when we did the uh, when you did the thing with me and made me speculate what <laughs> I thought uh, what my expectations were for this year, I think I said an optimistic goal would be 81 wins. And I think that's still an optimistic goal. Um I think that we have been playing American League Central teams, and that's why we're as you know as good as we are right now. And once we start, White Sox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, although they did sweep us the first time we played them, um, but I think as the season progresses, we'll probably come down to earth more. I mean, not that 
being like 20 and 21 is <laughs> like way above uh, uh, what anyone would want to be at. But like, I think we will probably not make 81 wins um, unless some things go very right. Uh, why, why would you not expect to have a, a 500 season? Well, because I think I've just been feasting on the, on my divisional opponents right now. And I think next month I don't play many of them. Um, I just don't feel like we, so I, I'm into spreadsheets and um, I uh, export all the ratings into a formula I have and spit it out. And just on talent alone, we should be the worst team in the AL central. Um, Worse than Detroit. Yeah. Detroit has more, if you, um, I weight different ratings, like more important than others, like contact is more important than gap and, um, stuff like that. But Detroit actually has in my formula, which isn't perfect. Detroit's a little bit better than me even. Um, but what I've tried to do is I've tried to acquire players that fit Kauffman stadium. I have one of the more extreme parks in the league in terms of, um, I mean, it's like, it's really hard for a righty to hit a home run in Kaufman. It's like seven something, I think, is a park factor. Um, and so I've tried to build the team with a lot of left-handed bats, a lot of contact hitters, a lot of guys with gap power, because it is a good park for doubles and triples. I'm trying to build a home field advantage. Um, and I think if I end up being 500, it will be because of that more than because of the talent I have on the team, but I really like my players and I like my system. I'm just, it's just going to take a couple of years for me to get talent bumps on some of these guys, uh, have them develop, but I've loaded up with, with guys that don't strike out a lot that have hit for contact. Um, and I'm thinking that as they develop, I can like sell off my better players, bring them up and, you know, find perfect fits to go look and I'll have plenty of stuff to trade for them. Um, the other thing is I think my bullpen is too crappy to keep, keep me in it right now. It's, it's Hodge. It's a hodgepodge of guys that I found on the free agent block. Um, because the guys I had originally started the season with were not doing well. So I don't know. I feel like I'm playing above my no, talent right now. That's so interesting. I, I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. How hard is it to maintain a good bullpen as a team that didn't expect to compete but suddenly is? Because a, a good bullpen is such an important piece to a winning baseball team. Yeah. And for you signing free agents, like, that's trade bait for you all day long. Yeah. So why would you not flip them? It's so interesting. I didn't have thought about that. My plan going into the season was I, I tried to find guys that I could get affordable – that were affordable that might have good years that I could flip like Felix Hernandez. Like I'm paying him a total of $20 million over four years. So if he had had a great start to the season, I could flip him and retain the salary and get some prospects, but he's played really bad. Um, you know, Ryan Braun's another guy. I'm only paying him 5 million and he's put up really good numbers. So I'm hoping that there'll be a, a home for him at the trade deadline. But if I'm like, within three games of first place still at that point in time, I don't know what I'll do. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, I know that I would go nowhere in the postseason, but I mean, it would be worth trying to make it, I guess, at that point. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, uh, Rob? Yeah, you sure. recently brought over uh, Josh Reddick, right? Yeah. That's that recent. was a, that was a free agent. He, I signed him as a free agent. He, um, 
is, is he basically holding that spot until Jeremy Kinney is ready, who, who got yeah. that quick call up and, and didn't so, prove to be maybe be ready, but so right I wasn't, on that verge? I was not planning on trading Sergio Pagan. He was going to be my starting right fielder for the foreseeable future, uh, but Pittsburgh made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Um, I picked up a third base prospect that I think is really going to be good for me, a really good fit for my system. And uh, so that's when I went and signed. Uh, um, oh, you know, you just said his name a second ago. Josh, Josh, Josh Reddick. Um, actually, I'd already signed Josh Reddick. I went and signed another guy and he didn't work out. So I cut him and Reddick, I signed. I just gave him a minor league contract. One of those deals that uh, becomes a major league deal if I promote him within 30 days or else he becomes a free agent. Um, he chose not to become a free agent after 30 days. He was still there. So I finally gave him a chance. And so he's probably going to, he's just holding the spot for whoever's next. Um, But he did not play well in AAA, which is weird because everybody in Omaha hits really well. (laughs) So staying in the division, uh, obviously the talk has both been at the bottom, uh, whether it be Detroit's frustrations, Chicago's disappointment. Uh, then one, two, we have our old rivals, the Cleveland Indians and Minnesota Twins. Strasburg's not playing great. The Twins, or the Indians, rather, still 24 and 18. Rockies bouncing back from the Twins, 22 and 22. We know how much Minnesota and Cleveland dislike each other. We also know Nolan Arenado has been on the trade block seemingly forever and entering, I believe, I believe he's on his final year of his contract. What does Minnesota do with Nolan Arenado the rest of the year? Does anybody in this room believe that Rocky thinks his team compete? Sorry, thinks that Rocky believes his team cannot compete. No, he thinks he can compete. Yeah. So I think if that's the case, you have to believe that he tries to resign him. Or keep him throughout the year and let him go to free agency and see if he gets a draft pick for him. Right. He's getting a draft pick for him, sure. I mean, that dude is spectacular. Yeah. The, the, who is the, the team the, to be? That's what I was going to ask, too. The Central's kind of crazy. You know, we expected Hodges to be somewhere up there battling for the division title again. Yeah, it's, it's got to be Cleveland. I mean, I don't know. Minnesota could pass Cleveland. Let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, no, no. I was just saying... It's probably anyone. I mean, it's got to be one of those two teams. The funny thing is, like, it's it's a horrible division, but yet Detroit and Chicago are still double digits back. I just have trouble figuring that out. But I guess it's just because Cleveland's got a nice record. Yeah, I don't know if y'all read the hit piece put out by anonymous GM earlier today on Detroit's front office. It was a spectacular read. Uh, that may be part of the problem. But uh, for me, I wonder about Chicago and, and I love Jonathan Hodges as an individual the, as much as everybody else in this league does right he, he is one of our favorites he's one of the originals like the man is is a class act person he seems to be super reactionary to his team struggling early on like I look around this division or this league at teams that are that are battling out of holes right now like just digging themselves out I look at uh, San Francisco is now 500. I know we all wrote them off earlier, but they were well below that early on. And they have kept 
to this script. I tried to pitch a couple, like pick a couple of guys off that roster earlier. And I was told by Ryan, like, we're good. We're going to, we're going to hold on San Diego. I know they had their fallback, but again, they're holding tight. Sam in LA is holding tight. All these teams that are like sitting here, Tampa Bay battling for the 500, right? Boston battling back. New York is still fighting. Uh, the the Mets that nobody really believes are truly buried at this point. Philly is back to 500, right? You think every division has these teams. I wonder sometimes, does he give up too early because of the emotional attachment he has to his team? Because if you look at what he does, he, he goes all in and he sells. He goes all in and he sells. His team's young. He's old Kyle Cody, who's 25. Now, we had a conversation about what we really believe Kyle Cody is. Is he a starter? Is he not? A different day. But, like, could the White Sox have held on from their shit start and dug out of this hole. They may be too deep at this point with 13 wins, but could they have done it? Could they have made a wild card spot? Could they have at least gotten over 500? I, I, I question myself about that all the time. I think Jonathan's philosophy was that he had a limited window with his veterans, and this was towards the end. 2021 was towards the end. And so I think he thought that since he didn't think he could compete this year, you might as well kind of trade off the pieces and, and prepare for 2022-2023. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, that's how I got Leon, right? But I I offered him something for Cody, but my plan was to stick him in the bullpen as a setup guy yeah. and see if that would work. Because he's got the ratings. He just never fulfilled them. He's a National League pitcher. He, he should have gone to the National League and, and gone to the bullpen somewhere. But, I mean, Leon and Cody are young. He's not dealing like – 30-year-old dudes, these guys are young, and he's still got Torres and a lot of people here. I, You know, I, I've never really expressed that opinion before, but I'm real confused sometimes with how quickly that trigger is pulled. And I get it, by the way. I am the most reactionary person in this league, so I totally understand. But, like, is it pulled too early? I like that he backed off a little bit. Like, selling yeah. Torres and Black and no way. you got to keep those guys. Like, even if it's not your year, you look at the division where the talent is, where it's going – he could just as easily be the top division next year. Um, he should absolutely. I'm I'm glad he backed off a little bit on that. Like I'm making a move or two to spark things is fine, but he shouldn't get rid of his core. I don't think. Cleveland and Minnesota are both very old. If you want to talk about age, like they're both the older teams. So you have Kansas City rising from the bottom. I believe Detroit's a better team than than I think the GM over there does. Uh, but I believe Cleveland rises to the top, and I think Chicago can make a very very stark turnaround next year. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this comment and. Jim, if you're listening, Miguel Velasquez, he will do exactly what you need in your clubhouse. <laughs> he and Noonan together. Oh, oh. Yeah, that, that. <laughs> we wouldn't need a leader I, at that point. We we need a referee for that boxing match. That would would start like a day later. Exactly. I tried Velasquez when I was with Cincinnati, and he performed great. But the other people, their morale went down so fast and killed the morale in that team. I had to just get rid of them yeah. I, I want to take i want to hit on what brenton though just said and, and this is is not to to belabor the point made in the D D D uh, detroit free press earlier this afternoon the tigers are not as bad as their record no. they're not um it's also not a leadership problem the, the clubhouse might be broken it might be an issue at some point but that's not the reason the tigers aren't playing as as well as they should there are good pieces. Matthew Libertor is a very good piece. Xavier Noonan can hit. Uh, some of the up-and-coming pieces in the in the bullpen in the rotation rather are good. Jake Venables is good. Jason Dumont has a bright future. Um, 
but when you're starting a pitcher on short rest against Seattle and then he has a bad start, like that's not a leadership issue. That's an issue of other things. Um, trading Mark Lopez after a poor rookie season, again, rookie season, maybe a bit premature. Brandon Tewksbury, again, not having a good year. Uh, no, no one's denying that, but it's, it's May 15th when he was demoted and sent to the Gulags. Uh, bringing in Jordan Lyles last year and putting behind uh, Lyles in the field, perhaps the worst defense in the league, didn't do him any favors. Um, so, yeah, leadership is maybe something that's holding some things back. But then when you overcompensate that, trying to find leaders, and you throw Christian Adams out there and Justin DeWitt, career, career hitters of like 215, uh, you have bigger issues at hand than the clubhouse itself. Yeah. Could agree more. Any thoughts on Detroit from the, the group here? At least he knows who Andrew Morales is now. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Y'all better get on the Andrew Morales train. That, that guy is my, my sleeper Cy Young pick. Jim could be right in the thick of things in a year or two in that division. You know, I, I could see Detroit and Kansas City, you know, flipping the script and being the top. Yeah. Detroit needs a plan. Yes. They do need a plan. They, they need to come. We, we probably need to do an entire thing on uh, on the Detroit Tigers and get Jim involved in this. But I'd love to hear his take. But they they there is a certain disdain for defense in this league that has dwindled a bit but Jim seems to share it and to a point I agree defense is not important but you know anonymous and I have talked about Scott I can't tell you the amount of time anonymous and I talk, I'm talking about the A's just on our own accord we just talking about the A's all the time we're talking about the A's defense and what they've done behind their excellent pitching staff the the Tigers are a similar situation right if you look at Libertor I kind of besmirched him the other day and last night this morning talking specifically about some advanced statistics that show me he's not pitching as well as his, his ERA tells me he is. His left on base percentage is like astronomically above what the league average is, right? He is, people are getting on base against him and they're not coming in based on pure luck, right? There's a bunch of other statistics that are pointing to the fact that he is not pitching them as good as he is. And he's a very good pitcher, but letting him pitch with bullshit behind him is how you destroy a pitcher in this league specifically, right? You cannot let a guy like that go out and get knocked around. And I worry about that sometimes because, you know, Nottoms hit on it in, in the piece that was put on the Detroit Free Press earlier. There's just bullshit behind him in the field. And so I worry about the Tigers and I worry about Liberator and some of these excellent. Isoki Mori is an excellent pitcher. And he is not able to do what he needs to be able to do because of, I think, the defense behind him. So the Tigers are, are what they are. We need to do a whole pot on them. Unless somebody has any more Tigers thoughts, I'd like to move on to some league-wide trade rumors that are going on and speak to what is this league going to look like as trade season comes upon us as 6-1 hits the calendar here in 11 days. And so I'll turn it over to y'all. Any more thoughts on division standing surprises, anything before we go to trades? Oh, I got one thing, one announcement I'd like to make with the fifth pick in the third round. (laughs) The uh, Kansas city Royals select Braden Morris left-handed pitcher. I don't know where he's from, but there we go. It's made a pick live. I love it. Awesome. I tried to I'll throw to... one, well, one surprise out there. Uh, it's the National League East, and it's not the Braves, and it's not the Mets. It's the Philadelphia Phillies. 
sticking around at 22 and 22, you still have Gilmartin, you still have Magana, you still have Ryobi Kamita, but you're also now adding the youngsters. Cameron Gundy from the start of the year, Charlie Harper recently. There's going to be an influx of talent coming in Philadelphia. You still have Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert at AAA. This is a team that I think has a chance to win the National League East this season. Yeah. I'll open that to the, the group before I give my thoughts on it, since I am very close to the National League East. Well, I think with uh, with Bruce struggling so bad down at 15 and 26, it's wide open, and you guys in the in the East should try to make your run. This is your opportunity to, you know, to bury Bruce before he can get back on a hot streak. Yeah. Because it might come real soon, and if Bruce gets on a hot streak, I mean, he could – rip off 15 wins in a row. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm as shocked as anyone at the Mets start. Um, I can't quite believe that all of those players got too old in one offseason. Um, whether enough of them wake up is a different question, I guess. But yeah, the, this is the window. Um, you know, it's not to like trade, trade the entire farm away kind of window, but uh, it's it's open. Uh, the Nationals are good. Um, Philly is on their way up. Braves may be a year ahead of schedule from what I initially thought. Um, Marlins are hard to figure out. Um, they're 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 right there too. So um, it it does seem pretty open. It is. Yeah, Mar- Marlins have a good team on paper. They Just they're going to be spectacular. That Ronald Acuna, Water Franco Jr., that's terrifying. Don't mention Acuna. I'm sorry, buddy. I know that hurts. <laughs> Jason traded him before I got here. <laughs> God damn it, Jason. Um, no, I, I think the scariest part about the Phillies is you can at, literally flip a switch, Dono style, and you can put Luis Robert, Andrew Vaughn, and J.J. Schwartz into this lineup today – They'd all be not just fine. I think it'd all be excellent in this lineup in a team that's already 500 and it already features the rookies that you mentioned. This league has gone rookie crazy at this point, specifically the National League East. If you put again, I'm very close to the Braves, but if I, the Braves are starting six to seven rookies a night. If you put that amount of rookie power behind what the Phillies are doing, behind Wander Franco, behind what the Nationals are doing, right? And like, there's a lot of rookies in the National League East alone that are making some waves, and that extends all the way out through the rest of the league too. So this league could get wild if the Phillies decide they don't really care about clocks and want to pull these three guys up because William French is a good catcher-ish, but you replace William French with J.J. Schwartz, and that is an instant offensive upgrade, right? You throw Lewis, uh, Luis Robert and Andrew Vaughn into the outfield and take bats away from Andrew Hale and Josh Bell, who is not – neither one of them has really worked out. Like, again – instant upgrade for Philadelphia. So I love that call. The fact that they played well maybe influences uh, oh Jerry. Jerry to make that decision out in Philadelphia. I don't know. I don't think he listens to these things. He's the, he doesn't give a shit about the media in this league, but maybe he does. Maybe he makes the move. Well, I'm, I'm shocked with the NL Central and how well the Brewers and Pirates are playing. You know, Cardinals are, are six back and are 24 and 19. You know, they're supposed to run away with this division. You know, yeah, but to be fair, Craig, Craig Cooper was supposed to run away with the National League Cy Young, and that hasn't happened. So there's that's, that's a different argument. 
Yeah. Wait, check those Craig, Craig, Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw, how's he doing? Six wins out in uh, out in Colorado. No, no comments. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah. supposed to go downhill up in Colorado, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's working okay for Eddie. Yeah. By the way, Eddie, two weeks ago you took two or three from your brother. Uh, can we can we get an update? Uh, do we have a new shirt out this year? Uh, I'll, I'll work on something. But it's it's just you know it's old hat at this point. Yeah. And, and we're the Giants. So we want to see him in here. What was that? My, my Taylor Sparks jersey is hanging in my closet, just waiting to be brought out. I, I wore it one day. He went on a massive polish week, and I lost the game. And I've lost a bunch of games since. I put it in the closet to see if that helps, <laughs> but it looks good. Um, so what trades? Who who's getting moved? What what's what's on your eyes there, Brenton? Let's uh, yeah. What's so, what are you looking forward to? Let's start with arms, right? Like we've got the luxury of having Scott here, who has not so secretly like had conversations around some of his arms, looking for a couple of different pieces, right? So I will let him reveal whatever he wants to reveal from the, that conversation of why he's thinking about. It. There's a cat in front of Rob, uh, <laughs> so we'll let him have that conversation. You know, I think. To me, it'd be interesting to look at, like, maybe start with sellers, and then we can break down specific players from expected sellers and then talk about buyers as we get through. Because our active traders, Mitch, Eddie, myself, you know, and a lot of the other guys have not been super active over the last month. So what happens as we turn this thing? So, Scott, let's start with you if you want to talk about it. Reveal as much as you'd like about what you're looking for and who you're trading, but talk to us about the arms that are on the block, and we'll talk about Aiken, we'll talk about some of the other guys as well. Well, you know, I, I'd be happy to move uh, Granky or Shelby Miller right now. I've had people reach out to me about, you know, Giolito and Bueller. And, you know, if somebody wants to come after them, they're going to pay a hefty price. You know, it's not going to be cheap yeah. because they're young and they're locked up for a while. But you know me, if the right deal comes along, I'll, I'll move them. You know, if I can get the pieces for – for my infield, you know, I've got my outfield pretty well set now. And so I'm looking for the pieces on the infield, which is why I reached out and got Leon from the White Sox, you know, a better bat than, than Nick Allen. So, you know, I, and then I got Juan Francisco, who is salary rise free. Thank you to Ryan from Miami for that. That, you know, I'll trade the people that, have contracts that are expiring in the next year or two for prospects and if you want somebody that's locked up longer and younger they're always on the block but not going to be easy to get yeah I, I think if there's somebody looking for an arm Oakland's probably their first stop along the way right just because of the the veterans you've got there that they probably assume you're looking to move and then the the willingness to talk about some of the aces that you've got there in the staff as well Right, like you said, they're not going to be cheap. But if somebody knows that you're willing to talk Giolito, you're willing to talk Bueller, I think anybody looking for an arm at least stops by and makes an inquiry along the way. Right? Yeah, please at least make them reasonable. Well, yeah, yes, please make, please send reasonable offers. Don't send your dog shit uh, to Scott. If or I cats. Them, I My well, wife's allergic to cats, so don't send don't, don't send, send a cat. cats either. Um, <laughs> if I look at potential trade people like pieces here, I look at teams like New York in a the Mets specifically, and you know what the Yankees too. The entire city of New York, Rhett has always been a buyer. Bruce has always been a buyer. Neither team are in positions to buy right now. In theory, do either one of these gentlemen flip the script and 
sell for the first time in their careers in, in the MLB Pro. What if they do, what does that look like? Well, they the could just with, go ahead, Rob. I would say they could stay buyers and come to Kansas City where we'll retain <laughs> salary. Didn't cost you anything. Got Ron Tillman, got Felix Hernandez. I mean, they both have like plus five ERAs right now, but five plus ERAs. But maybe, uh, maybe by July, they'll be looking better. You'll be a popular stop point when the season ends and, and uh, the, the Cabanas is not re signed. And everybody's trying to dump salary to everyone's gonna be dumping all their shit in Kansas City. So you'll be a very popular man at that point. Yeah. It's nice to have money available, room. Yeah. Here's the issue with the New York teams age and money. Yeah. Uh, you look at the Yankees. Will Myers is signed through 2028 at like $30 million a year. Ari Nori arrives already 33, signed through 2026. Miguel Velasquez is signed for four years, plus you have his off-the-field issues. Nathan Avaldi's 31 signed for four years. Uh, Michael Pineda's not any good. <laughs> Dylan Bundy signed for three more years. Gary Sanchez for like eight more years, 25 million. Miguel Sano, four more years, he hits 220. Yep. And the Yankees have to be cash neutral in any trade they make anyways. Um, I don't know how many pieces there can be moved. And, and then you look at the Mets. Are they really going to give up Tim Lincecum? I don't see it. Uh, and then Eddie pointed out the age there, too. You got Chad Lewis signed for five years. Jonathan Neese, 34, signed for four more years. Elvis Andrews is 32, signed for four years. You have a couple center franchise cornerstones and Matt Dendecker, Wong, Vega, and Josh Wilcox. I don't think any of those guys get traded. There just aren't many guys that, that fit the mold of being expendable, being desirable, and if you don't have a mix there, I don't. You got to get creative. And piling on to the Yankees' money woes, they have seventy nine and a half million dollars tied up in twenty twenty seven already. Gosh, <laughs> that's my entire payroll. <laughs> yeah, in twenty twenty seven. I mean, that's that's amazing. So, are you saying let's say let's take a census poll? We'll go around the room real quick. Is New York dead? Is New York baseball dead? <laughs> The next couple of years. Scott, yes or no? New York baseball, dead. Yes. Kimberly, yes or no? Baseball, dead in New York. Yankees, yes. Mets, no. Oh, come on. Eddie. Yes, but I think Rhett is smart because he knows the Angels are going to be good till 2027. <laughs> Rob? He's, he's a, it's a long game. I mean, that's, that's some hand tied. I mean, they got to be dead. I don't know about the Mets as much. Yeah. Anonymous? The Mets will, Bruce will have the Mets fine. Rhett is dead, but at the same time, no one is more creative when it comes to trades than Rhett. The impossible, no one thought, well, impossible in both good and bad. I mean, no one thought Jordan Lyles would get traded once, and Jordan Lyles has been now traded twice. Um, so I wouldn't want to be Rhett, but I have faith that Rhett can pull a magic out of his hat. He does seem to do that, doesn't he? He's got he's got a spectacular look. We we talked about Texas and their pieces. I think they're a more realistic seller, right? I think you have this unique storm brewing in the American League East, where you've got four teams within two games of each other. I don't think the the Orioles buy. I don't think the Rays buy. Although he has Hines has said he might buy something small if he's still competitive. 
the Sox are a different story. They might. The Yankees, we all talked about them. It's a different thing. And then you've got Mitch, who is always making moves at all points. It's incredible to me that he's on top of this division after dealing with Bryce Harper, by the way. And, and he'll make another move. That's what Mitch does. Yeah. He always does. You're right. You've got the twins. Well, here's what's interesting, I think. And when Speaking of Mitch, I think we all think Mitch is going to be a buyer. I think everyone agrees with that. But Mitch is also keeps throwing the name Broderick Wilson on the trade block. Um, part of that is you have Mackenzie Gore and Michael Baez waiting at AAA, uh, and he wants to make room for them, or that's that's what it would appear to be. But in doing so, do you really, do we really think he's going to trade away a pitcher who's having possibly the best season? Uh, and you have Michael Walker, but uh, Broderick Wilson has been a consistent point at the top of that rotation. And you trade him away and you bring up a rookie, even a, a very, very, very talented one in Mackenzie Gore, you are taking this far risk. I don't buy that with Mitch, but again, the Blue Jays are in good hands and, and Mitchell pull the right move or four. Or maybe a more appropriate number. Yeah. I, mean, I can't fathom what's going on in Minnesota. Again, we, we talked about them like they're dead and gone. They're three games back. Yeah. Cleveland, right. They're not that far back and, and they are old, but you have guys like uh, Lopez who, who is young. It seems like he's taking forever. Gary Copeland can play the DH, so that dude can hit for another five years. It doesn't really seem to matter. The Twins have never been super active. They're always asking everybody. You get that. You get look. Everybody's gotten that like two AM message from Rocky, like, "Hey, what are you looking for? Who are you, who are you dealing?" Right? We've all gotten that weird. What, what are you doing, Rocky? But like everybody gets that thing. He's been kind of silent for a little bit. I expect him to come out of hiding and, and make some sort of inquiries, whether he pulls off a deal or not is a totally different thing, mainly because I don't know what he's got to offer in, in the minor leagues. I don't think it's anything, but between him and Cleveland, the Royals, Tigers and White Sox seem very resigned to not compete or buy, right? Like why not make a run? Why not get to the playoffs? I think Rob's already said he's probably not going to buy despite where he is three and a half back, which probably is the right move. Be patient. But if you're Minnesota, why not buy? You know, if you're Houston, why not buy? If you're one of these other teams, why not go after it? I, I don't know. There's, there's so many people out there that are just interesting to me. The trade block hasn't heated up. I'm fascinated by this, and I'm so excited for two weeks from now. The Minnesota think... Go for it. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's too early. Like there's so much is going to change three, four weeks from now. It just, it's going to start to sort itself out, but everybody's so close and has a shot that I think it's too early to absolutely be a seller or absolutely be a buyer. It just got to see how things shake out. The other the Minnesota influx. Of that is if, oh, sorry, Anonis, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go for it, Scott. I was just going to say the flip side could happen too. Whoever pulls the trigger first might get the best deal of the trade deadline, right? The market hasn't been set yet. I, you know, that two Chicago's philosophy, that. yes. Yep. There's when when I look at Minnesota, there's two players, I, I think. I don't think they buy they buy out coming from outside the organization, but Ian Anderson and Shane Baz are both ready, and they're going to be immediate upgrades within the rotation. And, and then just throwing some names out there that I, I do think we will see. We did mention the Yankees. Uh, they have three first basemen still, and David Chester, Roderick Shoulders, Lance Ray. One of them's got to go. Uh, Oakland, Scott, you you mentioned Zach Reinke. To me, you attach 50%. You say, bring me your best prospect, and he's traded within two weeks. 
I mentioned Juan Hidalgo earlier. Brenton, you mentioned Philly and those players coming up. How about moving one of Josh Bell or Anthony Hale? William French, you, you could reload even more of that prospect farm system. Miami, we've talked about a disappointing start to the year. Part of that disappointment has been Cameron Gallagher. But if he were to hit the trade block, a catcher with that bat, that could be a very attractive piece. NL West, I, I, I think the NL West is a, is a division where we're going to see activity in sellers only because the top two teams are, are so tough. But Buster Posey, uh, I believe, has a player option this year. I, I would bet money he, he would like to test free agency one more time. Could Ryan move him? Daniel Schlereth in the final year of his deal, a very good relief pitcher. I mentioned Andy Otero. And then I think Jared Kozar could be on the move if the Dodgers don't turn things around. I'm long on the free Braulio Pardo campaign, by the way. I, I've been on that train for years. I know Anonymous has been on that trade for years. We, we got to get that guy out of San Francisco. Um, we, are, we are on the hour, essentially, which is about the length we typically go for these things. So I think what I will do here is let's call for final thoughts on the league, on whatever, and, and kind of go around the, the horn. If anybody's got final questions, final topics, final thoughts on the league, um, let, let's get them out now and, and go through it. Let's start – Let's start in Oakland with Scott. Scott, final thoughts on uh, on MLB Pro before we head out. Well, the A's are looking for a second baseman of the future. Uh, <laughs> this is not a one ad, Scott. <laughs> yep. Hey, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens with uh, in my division with Seattle in LA. If is somebody going to make a move? Are they not? Are they going to stand pat and just go into the playoffs? You know, with the roster they have, and can Houston? find a way to sneak in there and, and hit that other, either the wild card spot or if there's an injury in Seattle or LA, can they knock one of them out the playoffs? It's going to take an injury. If, because if you're Seattle, where are you? That team is perfect. Where are you buying if you're Seattle? And the angels have already had what, like three in injuries in the last couple of weeks and yeah. they're still battling. Yep. Eddie, final thoughts. All right, I've got two th final thoughts. So one, I was looking before this, you, you asked about rookies, and I just looked up young players mm -hmm. and watch out for the NL. 22 or younger in the league right now that are performing. You got uh, a, a handful of players. You got Vega, Marine, Soto, Vlad, Gary Griffith, Andres Munoz in New, in New York, Duncan Dumoulin, Pedro Cuevas, Robinson Rivera, all National League. You got... Two guys in the AL, Libby and Adele, 22 or under that are performing this year. Like there is a host of NL young talent performing right now. That is scary. Um, that's one thought. My other thought, welcoming Jed McKinley, three more days in the, on the IL. He's been out for six weeks and I'm looking forward to having my boy back. <laughs> I forgot about him. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he was having an okay year to start the year. Just that dude is unbelievably talented. To, to echo that point, by the way, I have a list of 27 rookies on this thing. The only position the American League has an advantage in numbers of rookies at them is first base, and it's Gabriel Vaughn and Evan White. Gabriel Vaughn has been dog shit this year. Evan White's been okay, but first base is the only position that the Nas American League has the record. Now, that said, the National League has a history of just sending those players to the American League. My pen just fell apart when I did that. Uh, but, you know, we have a, a history of doing that. Really quickly, by the way, 
all the catchers that are rookies that are playing at an above average level or in the American National League East, Dalton Varsho, Doug Smith, Devin Lewis, all plus 1.6 OPS pluses. Like they're or WRC plus, excuse me. They're, they're killing the ball as a rookie catcher trio in the National League East. Uh, Kimberly, final thoughts. I don't know how Varsho got away from me <laughs> for one, um, but uh, I'm, I'm just um, thrilled at the overall level of interest in the league this year. Um, that's, that's really uh, impressed me. Uh, top to bottom, all of the podcasts, uh, all of the um, Slack chat. Um, it's, I, I think it's going to be an interesting next couple of months to see how the uh, trade market uh, goes. Yeah. It's going to be a, a goddamn feeding frenzy. It always is. And then we all take like a month off to breathe and then we come back hot for the playoffs. Love it. Rob. Well, I'm also impressed with the league. It's been fun for me for a while here. It took me a little bit of time to get into it, but once I did, it's very, uh, very fun. Um, my final thought is just, uh, you know, you got the, Rockies and the Diamondbacks tied for first. They start a three-game series tomorrow. That should be fun to watch. Maybe a preview of who could possibly be the first NL champion in this league. I mean, We've I don't know. Played seven games. I mean, it's like we're already going to be done at the All-Star break or something. I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, which is funny because, like, I mean, you, one of you has to lose every one of those games, but <laughs> but you're both uh, dominating and like. I think both on hot streaks right now too, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Except one's for, eight and two and one's nine and one. So except for our hot streak is angels. Yeah. <laughs> our hot streak is a little, uh, we haven't been beating good teams the last week or so. So well, here's your chance. Impressive. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is, there are two series to watch in the national league is that one and the, uh, pirates and the Braves kick off tonight for a four game series as well. So that is two excellent series to watch in the national league. Anonymous final thoughts for the group and for the league. The last week or so, we've seen an influx of young talent hit the big leagues, whether it be Joey Bart, whether it be Brandon Brownell, whether it be Greg Faustini, Paul Bailey. I have it on good authority from a source within the American League West that Brian Hennessy could be making his debut tomorrow. So I will be interested in the series between the Angels and the A's. Uh, and then the talk of the league the last few weeks has been the draft. I'm going to be still glued to the draft between now and, and whenever we finish this thing, but while this is these, now we've entered the difference, the difference making rounds, uh, rounds one and two, I think are easy. Once you hit rounds three through 10 through 12 through 15, whatever, uh, the teams that dedicated finances to the draft, to the scouting pool will find players that can perform and other teams won't. And down the line, the draft is what matters. You're on the clock, Scott. Yeah. Go ahead and make your pick, buddy. You want to do it live on the air, just like uh, Rob did? No, I had the luck. I I wasn't impressed by this draft. Yeah. I mean, I think that the consensus was that our scouts all took a, a bath on it, but a lot of us have been trusting the other sources. It was interesting yeah. to watch. Uh, oh shoot, I Pete, I think, is the fellow who runs the Reds. Lay out some statistics on like drafted players that have hit the major leagues. Colorado. His name Matt. Sorry? His name's Jason. Jason, thank you. A different Jason, yeah. Different Jason, yeah. Uh, and then the Braves at the bottom of it, obviously, that's, 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 that's a symptom of what we are. Um, 
unless Scott wants to enter into live on air negotiations <laughs> on the trade we've been working on for two weeks, I think we can go ahead and end this thing. Um, I appreciate y'all coming on and, and giving your perspective on the league. I agree. These, these, particularly these meetings, right. Where we get people that we don't get to hear from all the time. Like you hear from me, you hear from anonymous every day. Uh, you don't get to hear from people like Kimberly, Rob, Eddie, Scott. So I, I genuinely appreciate y'all taking time out of your day to talk about a fantasy baseball league. That means more to all of us than it probably should. <laughs> it is a lot of fun and it, it's what makes this league special to me. So I, I thank you guys for coming out here and doing this. Um, hopefully we can do it again soon. I will post and, this thing up later tonight. Anybody and else? Brenton, Brenton, we all appreciate you, man. Just it's, it's really nice to have you kind of keep the league going. And it's just that really, I know you put a lot of work into it and we really appreciate it. it that is my yeah. last night. Last night this morning is awesome. Yeah, it yeah. is. I listen to it every morning. I do enjoy that. Good. I like how one day it's like, I just love doing this. The next day it's like, this is our last episode. And then there's like four more days in a row of episodes. I'm just like, what's that happening? Was, that's Eddie's fault. Eddie, Eddie came up with a really, really good schedule. He's like, man, do this. I was like, fuck, that's awesome. I'm going to do that instead. And then I realized, like, man, coordinating another GM schedule is a nightmare. I don't want to do that. And I got three kids. And like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. I'm going to do last night. What he said. So but you should Eddie's be fault. more yourself on there, Brenton. You're just, you know, all stuffy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm real stuffy. That's that's me. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks, y'all. I will put. Thanks, this everyone. Right, and I'll see you guys right. later. See you guys. Peace.